You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I, I like blushed a little bit when you said that because um, I don't think I've openly said that before. I did. I have said in interviews that like I'm doing more now than I used to, but I'm definitely doing way more than I used to. And um, it's it's very satisfying, though, because you you can't complain about things because not everything, but a lot of things are in your control. So if they don't go the way you want them to go, you can only blame yourself. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you've been having a glorious week so far. I most certainly have been. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I have teamed up with them to bring you Heavy Montreal. Montreal presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal, which is happening on December 17th at Theater de Corona here in Montreal. That night, my band Cryptopsy will be performing alongside my friends in The Agonist, The Great Sabatini, Necrotic Mutation, and Burning the Oppressor. All night long, you will be able to enjoy killer brews from BG, Brasserie Urbaine, Massorum Brassatorium, Brasserie du Bas Canada, Sir John Brewing Company, Cinquem Baron, and Brassard de Montréal. This is an event you do not want to miss. Tickets are selling extremely quickly, so if you do want to come, make sure that you pick up your ticket via the link in the description of this podcast. I'm super stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. More than that, I'd also like you to rate it and write a review. Now, why exactly do I want you to do that? Well, you have to imagine that when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down, they read the reviews, and if those reviews are favorable and reflect stuff that they love, well, they're most probably going to give that podcast a chance. So by you writing a review for the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, you can actually be the one that sways someone into becoming a brand new Vox and Hops head, and that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be back with Vicky Sarakis, the vocalist of The Agonist, and her new project that she just announced, Sixth Sense. We recorded this episode live on her Twitch channel a few weeks ago, and I'm very excited to present it to all of you. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 305. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I am back with Vicky Sarakis of The Agonist, her new project, Sixth Sense. We are actually recording this right now, live on her Twitch stream. I think this is so damn cool. Uh, Vicky, how are you doing? I'm great. This is so weird. It's like, uh, uh, what's Inception, sort of? So it's a... Uh, <laughs> interviewception i don't know i don't know what's happening it's, it's awesome <laughs> i love it i love it uh, you have been so goddamn busy uh i haven't seen you in a long time actually i remember we are going to talk about the last time we hung out later in the interview but i definitely yeah. want to uh start things off with a shitty question so that we can move forward and have a lot more fun afterwards uh but you're one of the people that that did good with with this question and in regards to this question how did you cope with the glorious, glorious year of 2020, which has now <laughs> lingered into becoming most of 2021 as well. How have you been coping with your yeah. time away from performing? Well, I'm on Twitch. Yeah. That, so that <laughs> happened. <laughs> that was actually like the most recent endeavor that I got mm -hmm. into in 2021, I guess. Um, but I've been thinking of, about it for a while and... I think that's what happened as soon as I came home from a tour that got canceled that was supposed to start in a week. Yeah. I basically just said, okay, no more excuses. Let's do stuff that, you know, you've been thinking of doing, but couldn't find the time or you were on the road or whatever. So just content, creating content, um, covers, creating an amazing community on Patreon and Twitch and just like, yeah. Uh, basically switching over to music full time 
but from my basement instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive what you've built and you've, you've, you know, you've, you've gotten into killer shape throughout the pandemic. I keep saying on the podcast that there's two shapes that you can come out of COVID in, in shape or out <laughs> of shape. You seem to have taken towards the in shape. So congrats on that. I'm leaning on Thank the other you. side of things because of, uh, the, the beer, go- the gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous beer that I'm addicted to. Uh, Vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives. Lives, music and craft beer. Now, you uh, mentioned earlier before we started recording what you were drinking. I would love for you to, to introduce your beer uh, for mm-hmm. the Vox and Hops listeners that will be listening to this at a later date. Yeah. So I am drinking Three Floyds Brewery. Um, the brewery is actually like 30 minutes from where I live. So amazing. I get their stuff all the time. <laughs> um, and I forgot, I completely forgot. I knew it was a stout. But in my mind, I thought it was like an 8%, a 9%, you know. I'm like, I, I could start the stream with an 8%. Uh, turns out it's 13.2%. Very impressive. It's um, <laughs> the, I'm not even sure how to pronounce this properly, Yella Rari? Okay. I don't know. It's a barrel-aged pale imperial stout with vanilla beans, coffee, and cocoa nibs. Sounds delicious. It is. Three Floyds rules. I was so happy, very happy to have them on the podcast a few months ago. Just I looked up to them so much. They are the kings of metal and beer and very, very happy that Albert from Decibel introduced me to them so we could have that chat. Um, On my side, I was at uh, Brewski yesterday. Nice. And whenever I go to Brewski, I always end up picking up some beer because it's just so damn good i was actually yeah. there with uh jerry monk the vox and hops metal architect that puts together all the playlists that i share all the time he was visiting from dallas a uh, true pleasure to hang out with him so this is hop run um it is a 7.2 percent ipa with el dorado triumph and belma and cashmere hops now i would like to ask this question when i have return guests it's how has your craft beer palette evolved since the last time we had a conversation on Vox and Hops? Hmm. I don't know if my palate has evolved. Like, I feel like my palate is probably the same. I don't know, unless it's a little bit more fine-tuned because I'm getting older. Um, but I think since the first, like, first and last time I was on the stream, there's more adventurous stuff out. Like, I think back then, for example, those like super juicy IPAs that are like orange juice didn't even exist. Or maybe they were really rare. Yeah, we're finding crazier and crazier beers that you're like, ooh, this is either going to be amazing or god awful. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's uh, so cheers to you. Let's start with the cheers and then we'll, we'll, dig, we'll dig deeper. We'll dig deeper. <laughs> smells amazing. It's creamy, a little chalkiness to it. Uh, ultra tropical fruits, just really, really killer. And their can art has really evolved throughout the years. So I'm, I'm very stoked about that. Very stoked about Brewski. Every time I'm anywhere near there, love going there and talking to their brewer, Derek. He's the best. Uh, I also, something we talked about the last time we were together, uh, I asked you about the soundtrack of your youth, uh, but I don't believe that we covered your first show. Do you remember the first live music experience you went to go see? Oh, that I went to go see, like as a, hmm, Um, I mean, I'm sure I went to like some kind of concerts that, you know, parents or friends dragged me to when I was really young. So I can't really remember those. Maybe like the first show that I went to that I chose to go to, um, was actually a festival in Greece, Rockwave Festival. I don't know if it exists anymore, but I don't think it does. Anyways, and that year it was Marilyn Manson headlining with uh garbage playing right before them and a few other bands but yeah that's pretty sick it was sick and i was like 14 that's awesome yeah (laughs) that's incredible super cool how about your first time on stage you remember being on stage for the first time and how that went down and if you were prepared enough uh were you nervous all all those glorious things all wrapped up in one well, if if we mean stage, like like you mean like playing <laughs> no, no, like no, no. metal no. or any stage, any stage, any stage, and then we could we could move on towards your metal. Right. Well, I mean, I can't tell you how old I was, but I was very very young because I was like one of those kids that was in all like the school plays and yeah. choirs and stuff like yeah. that. So me too. Maybe I was four or five, and uh, no, I wow. don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember this feeling of not wanting to do it. 
because really? I was very shy, very introverted. And um, I didn't really care for singing. I mean, like when you're five or six, you don't know what you want to do in, in your life. Um, so I didn't really care for it too much. And I didn't really like being in the public eye. So but I did it because I wanted to like I have a, I have a hard time saying no. So I wanted like my teachers and my parents and everyone to be happy. So I'm like, yeah, OK, I didn't I didn't cause a fit over it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they knew it was good for you. That's why they, they knew they knew that somewhere down the line, you'd be sitting in the basement singing on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> How about your your first metal experience on stage, uh, screaming in a metal band? Uh, do you remember that show? Well, screaming in a metal band was the Agnes. That's wow. the first time. I've, yeah. Yeah. I had never done that. Um, people always think it's, it's really like fascinating when I say that, like, it's my first actual, like real band that wasn't, you know, like a, a session thing or a studio project or whatever, but that's, that's the truth. And, um, I don't know why they would choose to hire someone that has only been screaming for six months. Like you gotta be a little bit crazy to do something like that. Well, hire someone. They didn't hire me. Sorry. Like ask me to join the band whatever um but yeah i remember it it wasn't it wasn't a great experience i didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> did you did you feel prepared and 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 if, no. you, if you okay now i feel guilty because of our time together working on screaming together which we spoke about well, last was, time i had no, you that that really did help i'm not gonna <laughs> lie but i just think that time and experience oh, yeah. are like things you can't you just can't get it like the, the 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 type of screamer and the how good you're going to sound in six months it can't compare to like six years you know no matter who teaches you no matter what they show you and screaming you know in your basement or in the studio for for a recording is totally different than going on stage and screaming song after song oh, and yeah. night after night like and you're moving i remember and the crowd is there yeah and you're running on adrenaline mm -hmm. and that just makes you push even more. Mm -hmm. And especially if you don't have perfect sound and our first, my first shows with the agonist was like summer festivals. Wow. So summer festivals. So what was, do you yeah. remember the first one? What festival was that? And how big was that? Oh, uh, actually the first one was a venue show. Okay. Actually like right. Be but, but the third one was like brutal assault or okay, something yeah, like that. Love that festival. Yeah. 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 But you know, like what festivals are like, you show mm -hmm. up, you're lucky if you get a line check, you know, so what is perfect sound? You're not going to have perfect sound. So like I can't a I can't hear too well. B, I don't have experience. C, I'm terrified, shy of like these, this crowd of people that I'm seeing. Um, and it, it was a nightmare. I mean, I had fun. I had tons of fun on the tour, but it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that it's gotten better since then. And it, yes, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing. That's what we want. We want to get better at what we're doing. Right? I want to yeah. circle back to beer. Something cool happened this past summer. Um, you were a part of Vox and Hops's Brutal North America, where I paired metal breweries with Vox and Hops alumni, the past guests of the podcast, to create your own beer. Uh, can you tell me about your experience with that? Uh, how you how did you enjoy it? Uh, what is your take on being a part of Brutal North America? Oh, it was super fun. Like, I think the idea was like, first of all, really ambitious, and I'm I'm happy that you pulled it off because like. <laughs> It can be hard coordinating with your own band members, which are like four people. But mm -hmm. like, how many bands w was it on that? Like total? 22. Like 20. Yeah. And each brewery. So like 44 different Every, entities. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's insane. And it happened like so fast, I find, too. It was a four month uh hustle yeah. really and it, it did take yeah. a long time because uh, every message that i would have to send i'd have to send to 44 people <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I i you know i found my ways of doing it but uh it was cool I, i'm happy that i have did you enjoy the beer though yeah 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 so getting into that um it was a really cool experience what was really awesome is that like i don't live in montreal but mm -hmm. coincidentally i was in montreal to record our new music and um film a music video and all that. And that was the time that the brewing was happening. So I was able to go to the brewery and kind of see how it's done. And that was an experience in itself because it's like, well, where else are you going to be able to see that? Like not 
not every brewery is just going to open their door and be like, hey, come in, let me show you how it's done. Uh Like, yeah. So that was super fun. And I actually didn't get to try the beer because I left. No, no, I tried it eventually, but I didn't get to try it like as it was ready, as it was Mm -hmm. fresh. Unfortunately, I had it like two months later, like the next time I was in Montreal and it was still very good. However, my bandmates told me that it was like even better when, you know, they first got it. But oh, well, (laughs) I I think it's I still have one or two of them left and it it holds up. I I used one in an interview the other day. It was delicious. Just still, still very cool. So that was the first time you ever went into like a brew room. Yeah. Amazing. So talk to me about that. What is it? Is something that interests you more now? The science behind making beer? Yeah, I mean, it's like chemistry, really. Oh, well, fun, fun chemistry. (laughs) It's like cooking, Um, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'd go out of my way to do it for myself. But, like, if if the opportunity presents again and they're like, hey, we can make a beer. You want to come with us to see how this is done? Because, like, we saw how an IPA was made. I'm sure it's a different process for all different kinds of beers. So definitely something very interesting. You were basically the first two people that I hit up. When I had the yeah. idea, I wrote Le Femme yeah, Matin, yeah. and I was like, is this an idea that's going to work? Does this make sense? Please tell me I'm crazy if I'm crazy. And they said, no, this is a good <laughs> idea. You should do this. And then I hit up you guys. I gave them like an option. Like, do you want this band or this band? And they chose you guys. So I hit you up. And it was like yeah. an immediate yes if the beer was good. Danny was <laughs> very adamant <laughs> that the beer had of to be course. good, though. <laughs> of course. Um yeah, you don't want to like have a first sip of your beer and be like, mm, yeah, it's the best thing I've ever had. <laughs> That's why you don't film the first reaction when you drink a new beer. That's the, you don't you don't want that. You, you you always lie and pretend that it's the first reaction. <laughs> True, <laughs> which I've done. Uh, but uh, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Let's talk about what's going on right here, Twitch. Um, mm-hmm. In a year, just over a year, basically, you've really built a strong following on Twitch. Uh, um, you started your Patreon and then from there it transitioned into Twitch very quickly. How did that happen? How did you end up becoming uh, so popular on Twitch? Why did you move on to Twitch? So popular, Matt. I'm not that popular. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, I was I was thinking of doing Twitch like way before, mm-hmm. like years before. <laughs> Same thing with Patreon. I'm, I'm one of those people where it's just like overthink everything and make sure everything's perfect. And then and big surprise, Things aren't perfect. We still end up having technical difficulties. But um, yeah, I was thinking about it for a while and I felt like I didn't want to do everything all at once because like, you know, you got to take steps um, and people's attention spans aren't that great. You can't just be like one day you come out and you're like, here's new music and I have a Patreon and I'm streaming on Twitch and I'm doing all these things and you drop everything that you're doing and just follow me 24 seven. Like that's not going to happen. Like you got to slowly build towards that. And I decided to start with Patreon because I felt like it was a safer way to kind of test the waters and see what I'm doing. And because like I started doing streams privately on Patreon first and that community started growing. I started seeing that people on Patreon really enjoyed the streams. And I was like, okay, maybe it's time to take this on Twitch. And also like I had to make some money to invest in some gear because it's not cheap. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the routing. Thankfully I'm just a vocalist, so I only need one mic. I I don't know how drummers do it on (laughs) Twitch. It's absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, To, to look and sound good, you have to spend some money on your stream. So basically, yeah, step by step, slowly. And then when I eventually started streaming on Twitch, I already had a few people that would be there, you know, maybe not every single time, but frequently, you know. So, yeah, it's been great. (laughs) What would be some of the biggest challenges when being a Twitch streamer? Uh, Finding content, I can imagine is tedious and and scary at times do you have moments when you don't even know what you're gonna stream because you know you have to stream uh you know that was something that was concerning me when i first started i was doing like music just Mm -hmm. music so like either recording sessions or practice sessions or just music nonstop because i felt like you're a vocalist that's what people want from you um and then i got really really sick in august Mm -hmm. 
and um i well i got covid mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh it was fine yeah yeah it was fine it was like very mild compared to to other things that i've heard however my main side effect was that i just had this splitting headache all day long and being on the computer was very hard for me to do like or screens in general like it it was bad so I had to like cut down from streaming a little bit and I had to switch my content because I I couldn't perform, <laughs> you know? So then I started just like hanging out and watching videos with people. Like I wouldn't say reaction streams cause I'm not a reactor, but like people suggest songs that they want. And then I check them out, like things I've never heard or seen before. And I just kind of like tell them what I think or do an analysis or whatever. But I saw, in that that people still care mm-hmm. and they just i feel like fans or friends as i like to call a lot of my community they want to connect with you as a person and it's like it's great when you go on the stream and you show your craft and your art and you perform in this and that but like genuinely like they want to connect with you as a person so if i just come on the stream and i'm talking nonsense and we're just watching videos they're p- perfectly cool with that too <laughs> yeah because basically they're they're in your house hanging out with you yeah and i think that's what oh that's what people want like they want like think about your idols let's say in music i'm sure it wasn't just their musical output that that drew you to them it was like their character or maybe things they said in an interview or like this aura that they had mm-hmm. that you're like i can connect with you on a level or i think i can connect with you because you haven't actually met that person um, on another level that goes beyond just like my my admiration or respect for what you do as a musician. No, it does. And I, I, as you were saying that, I I haven't really like Vox and Hops had started when I was touring. The pandemic really boosted Vox and Hops for me. And I'm very interested to go on tour and to meet you know, Vox and Hops heads coming out to the show. So I'm, I'm interested in when you're going to go on tour and all these people that you've basically been hanging out three times a week throughout the past <laughs> year or so are going to come up and hang out with you. Yeah. Um, are you ready for that? Because it might be intense. <laughs> no, I, I'm super excited. Actually, this weekend, uh, three of my patrons are meeting each other for the first time. No way. Like, yeah, like in Portugal, like one of them I is from Spain and they're going to Portugal and they're like meeting up. So like, I think it's super cool. Like, here's this community that you're building. And not only are you connecting with them, but they're connecting with each other as well. And um, some of my patrons I've already met on tour, like the first thing they did when they joined was like post the picture from the merch table that we took together, you know, after mm-hmm. the show. And some others like maybe because we've never played in the city or maybe they discovered the agonist after me being there but for whatever reason it's like i haven't met them yet but i'm sure when the time comes and i'm playing there that they'll show up of course and uh it's exciting it's very exciting i think it's awesome obviously i was heavily inspired by jamie josta the josta show uh interview mm-hmm. with metal artists uh when you were structuring your twitch or when you even just now are there other streamers that you are inspired by that are influenced you that have influenced you to to create content to run your your streams this way hmm. i mean that that's that's an interesting question i i was one of those people that when i got on twitch i hadn't really spent time on twitch before i love it i just liked I liked the idea of Twitch. I liked the fact that you could just turn on your camera and your microphone and just be you and be random and perform. Because mm-hmm. I think that's super important too. I think it takes balls, to be quite honest, to just go on the stream and perform and show that you can do it. Because it's like, there's no editing it. No. Like if you fuck no, up, yeah. you fuck up. That's <laughs> it, right? Um, so I was I was really like liking the idea of Twitch and also that it's like, when you stream you stream and you're done it's not like you filmed a video and then you have to sit there and go through the footage and edit it and color correct it's like no it's all real time it's done and you can either do it or you can't do it can't do it and um i've known a few people that you know started maybe doing twitch couldn't didn't like it or whatever and gave up it's really not for everyone um but to answer your question i didn't have like specific people that i looked up to 
I just knew that at the time, like Matt Heafy obviously was like one of the big streamers and Herman Lee, of course. And I saw like, I didn't ever watch their streams, but I saw like the the snippets that they would put later on on social media. And I was like, this is really cool. And like the whole gaming sort of aspect to it, because Twitch was created for gamers. Absolutely. The, the music community has just grown the past two years, but it was created for gamers. So like me being a gamer, like specifically in my youth, mostly when I had more time for it, um, found it really, really appealing. So um, I just knew I wanted to do it. And um, I'm happy that I didn't watch too many streamers and see what they were doing because it helped me kind of come up with my own ideas without like um, not purposefully copying them. But but you know what I mean? Like when you watch a bunch of people do stuff, then you start thinking of doing the same things. And it's not like you're copying them on purpose. It's just like you can't help it. You're like, you saw it. Oh, that's cool. I should do that, too. Whereas if you don't put yourself in that spot, you can, I don't know, improvise and come up with your own things. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, obviously, the big question, the question I've gotten, and I know that I'll, I'm going to keep it up, is when you're touring, what's going to happen mm-hmm. to the streams? I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to keep it up. I'd love to like do like either backstage streams or sound check or maybe even the show if that's possible. Although I know on a technical level, there's so much involved. Um I'm happy I bought a really, really powerful laptop okay. like three weeks ago. It was funny because I went on Twitch and I'm like, I need a new laptop because the one I have sucks and I can't like stream on tour with it. It mm-hmm. just doesn't have the capabilities. And uh, I put a donation goal for like $3,000 and this insane community gave me the money in one day. No way. <laughs> well, yeah, well. I put the goal for like two or three months. That's and- amazing. Congrats to you. Thank you the community for for supporting you so well so that you can keep this going and they can keep hanging out with you when you're out on the road exactly i think when you when you show people that like look i'm not just taking your money and you know drinking beers with it no offense obviously we drink beers (laughs) but i just mean you know you literally you didn't get to even pocket that money you got it and then the next day it was spent and it was spent towards the thing that they love seeing you for so um yeah, it was great. Let's talk about the agonist. New, yeah. re- you know, new record, a good record. Mm-hmm. I've heard the whole thing because my guitarist is Chris Donaldson, and he. Oh, I thought because the label sent it to you. Oh, I, I guess <laughs> I, that that could pr- also probably be an option. But I heard about I heard it back in the summer. It's pr- it's some of my favorite material. Days before the world wept. Yeah, October fifteenth via Napalm Records, of course. Um, let's just. I know you guys very well, so stop me if this is too much, because I know a lot of back stuff that I don't know if should be public. Um, I know I know that for this record, you really took the lead on it, which would be the first time that this has happened in the Agnes. Uh, Danny Marino had a baby, and he really sort of just told you guys that he wanted to obviously yeah. still be a part of the band and be involved, but he mm-hmm. didn't want to run everything as much yeah. as he used to and he, yeah. he probably will come back and take over again not over but take on more responsibilities for future material but for this album in particular you took the lead can you talk to me about that please <laughs> i i like blushed a little bit when you said that because um <laughs> i don't think i've openly said that before i did i have said in interviews that like i'm doing more now than i used to but I'm definitely doing way more than I used to. And um, it's it's very satisfying, though, because you you can't complain about things because not everything, but a lot of things are in your control. So if they don't go the way you want them to go, you can only blame yourself. Absolutely. And I'm OK with that as a person, because I really hate giving people responsibilities or someone else having a responsibility for something not doing it the way like maybe I had hoped for and then holding a little bit of a grudge. And this is not just with my bandmates. This is in general. I'm like one of those people that maybe I I become too meticulous with things that it's better for me to spend my entire day going crazy over it so that I can just blame myself and not blame anyone else for it not being what it's supposed to be. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, I control totally freak. No, no, but I it, and it, it, being the streamer now too, it makes sense too. Yeah. everything yeah. is you. Yeah. It's you that. Uh, I yeah. think it's interesting though to to tackle these new roles in a band, and, and you guys are very. I, can't commend the agonists enough because you guys keep a lot of stuff in house. You know, Simon does a great job with social media. Um, yeah, you got Chris Kells, part of the Vox and Hops crew, mm-hmm. uh, doing all the video content directing and then doing all your videos and stuff. It's it's very commendable. I think it's very very. Thank you. It's the new world of bands where everyone can do stuff on their own, and here you are bringing in all these extra things. Um, you also started your own merch company. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's like specifically a merch company, but that that was the reason for mm-hmm. it. So like I started it with my husband, Robbie, because we have all these projects, different projects, not just music. And we were thinking like, okay, if we want to have merch for each of these projects, we would need to set up a different page for each of these things. And let's say that there's someone that's a fan and wants to support us as people. So like, They want the agonist merch they want vicky merch they want six cents which we'll get into but but different you know projects from both of us they would have to go on separate pages and pay for shipping for each of this these things were like let's create something for ourselves where we can put all our projects and send all our merch out and when that started i didn't even think of like having the agonist on there or anyone else it was mostly just for us and then it just kind of <laughs> spiraled um, and more people wanted to be a part of it. Because um, the, the other thing that we have on this website, it's like merch aside, we have like um, a contact page for artists. So it's like you get to put your bio and your links and a contact form so people can contact you for whatever service you're offering. So like we have affiliates and stuff like that. And more people wanted to be a part of that because we're like, We'll just host you on the website. We'll put up your links. We'll connect your personal email to the contact form. Whoops. So that when someone messages you, it's coming straight to you. Amazing. But yeah. And people were like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be a part of that. And it's great because you get to feed through like those contact forms where they're like, yeah, we want a guest vocal. Is Vicky available? Where it's like totally like unpro, totally like not thought out, not anything. And you're like, I'm not even going to respond to this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben yeah. from X country, but you got to write better emails. <laughs> yeah. And there's no scene there, right? They just sent a, a message on a contact form and it, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. You so, feel okay with that. Yeah. yeah, I feel okay with that. And um, yes, long story short, it spiraled. And it grew into something bigger. And since we're based in the U.S., which I think is very important for Canadians, you know, specifically, like I I said to my bandmates as well, like, why don't I take care of our merch? Like, I'm in the U.S. Shipping is cheaper. There's more people here in the States that, like, want our stuff versus Canada. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds simple. It hasn't been simple, but it's worth it <laughs> it's it's really cool because a lot of people myself included just affiliate ourselves to the big merch companies and i just hooked up with indie merch store yeah uh, if not i probably would have hooked up with you <laughs> no that's fine <laughs> but i, you know, I the, the deals were going down in any way so um yeah i just want to something that i'm so happy about and this is just me i live in a condo here and I don't have merch in my house anymore. And that makes me so goddamn happy. <laughs> yeah. So what is your yeah. house? Is there a room that's just oh my stacked God. full of boxes of everything? <laughs> it's, it's a horror show right now. Like it looks every, everything that's not on camera is a disaster. <laughs> basically, basically like it's always been a disaster in the sense that it's a pretty small house for everything that we're doing. And we have two dogs as well. Like, this basement area, I wish I could say it's my studio room, but it's like this corner is a studio room. The other <laughs> corner is a workout room. Mm-hmm. That back there, the abyss that's black, is like um, a living room slash filming room where there's a black background and I film all my videos that when people see, they're like shocked. Yeah. yeah, yeah they're yeah. like, this how, is, this how is did where you... you do that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and then... The merch room, our guest room basically became a merch room. So uh, if any friends are coming over and need a place to stay, <laughs> like that's just impossible right now. 
Um, but we are actually looking to move soon. Mm. And um, Closer yeah, to three we're flights. looking. No, actually, very <laughs> far from Three Floyds, unfortunately, for that. But fortunately, for other reasons, we're thinking of moving down to Florida, which oh, I know shit, sounds crazy. Really? Is this for wrestling for Robbie? That's not like the main reason. Okay. It just like we were like thinking of more like midland states like Tennessee, sort of. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robbie mentioned Georgia. I'm like, why would we go to Georgia? He's like, because it's close to Florida. And I'm like, well, then why not just go to Florida? <laughs> like, at least you can have a beach because like, I don't really like humid and hot weather unless I can be next to a beach or have a pool or something because I grew up in Greece, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that was always an option. If it's a super hot day and you have time, just just go to the beach. So why would I suffer <laughs> in an area with humidity and bugs and not have a beach next to me? <laughs> they, so they have lots of peanuts. No, but peanuts. I said <laughs> I said peanuts. I did. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're we're looking into Florida now. We'll that's, see. That's amazing. Back back to the the record. Uh, yeah. You, you, you worked yet again with uh, my guitarist, the best producer yeah. in the world, Chris yes. Donaldson. Talk to me about that decision of sticking with him. Uh, I. I know why you did. I'm, I'm just curious if there's extra reasons why. <laughs> no, it's it's a no-brainer at this point. Chris, I see Chris as like, I he's a guy I can relate to on so many levels because like I see like my own growth since I met him and mm. I see his growth since I met him and it's just like insane. Um, and he was already good when I'm like, he already knew how to mix. He already knew how to make you sound good. And like now it's it's even better. And um, working him with him this time around, I believe if you ask him, it was like he sent over his first mix to the band and the guys were just kind of like, yeah, sounds good. Like, <laughs> like the feedback, the notes were like nothing compared to to the past because it's like he knows us so well and he knows what a, a good metal album has to sound like. And he just does it. That's amazing. It was like that with uh, Tom, too, from Cryptopsy as well. He sent us the first mix and we were like. I was with Flo and this mm-hmm. never happens. And it was like, it's perfect. Let's do it. That's it. <laughs> and that was it. That's so good. And and I know like Chris, he's probably just sitting there like, oh, it could be better. And he's stroking his beard. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> he told me like last week that I was in Montreal. He told me that the mix on the EP sucks. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> that, that sounds like Chris. Uh, I do. This is something that I don't know if you know the answer. I don't know the answer. Why do you think he's a bit underrated? Uh, multiple reasons. I think a, because he's Canadian Mm. (laughs) and, uh, like people think like metal and they think either us Mm. or they think Europe, depending on the style of metal that you're going for. And Canada, it's so weird because Canada I find has like the best of both worlds. Like European metal is very popular in Montreal. Absolutely. You have a lot of European sounding bands, but then the mixing aspect of it, the sound is more American and like that's the best of both worlds because like American productions to me are superior to European productions because they hit hard it sounds metal it sounds heavy like like Europe style metal is like too clean it's too soft it doesn't it's good it's very good but like I just I just I can relate more to an American sounding production and so, so that's what I find weird because like Canada and like Montreal specifically kind of brings both elements there. But um, I think it goes back to um, not, how do I say this and be nice about it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> not everyone's ears are good or as good. And when it comes to choosing a producer or someone you want to work with, you look more at their resume at their location, at the other bands that they've worked with. Not necessarily that sound good, but just, oh, they're famous, you know? And you don't listen and you don't see, like, what what is it that this guy's doing that's actually better than this guy and deserves three or four times more money for it? Um, so I think Chris, and not only Chris, any person that's not maybe like located in a hot spot in the u.s like you know la or where where's metal where else is metal growing right now i don't know i think nashville is growing right now and maybe a few other cities there's definitely a few hot producers that's for damn sure 
Yeah. So I think. So you're saying location is one of the reasons he's not. What, what location else? is one of the reasons. And I think he's just too nice. He's too hmm. goddamn nice. That guy, which, which it's like, it's cool. It's super cool. But it's like when you, when you deal with someone that's dicking you around and they're taking advantage of you, it's like, you gotta stop being so nice. And I tell him this all the time. I'm like, Chris, I know you're nice to me, but you're nice to everyone. Like he's the best. Don't be so nice. <laughs> uh, he did uh, tell me that you, cause some of these tracks that are a part of this were, I don't want to call them leftover tracks, but were tracks that were left <laughs> yeah. from a previous album. Yet you re-recorded your harsh vocals on it. Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah. So to answer like the first part, they weren't necess- they weren't left over in that sense because I don't want people to take this the wrong way. Um, they were purposefully left out because we were <laughs> we were looking at it. a no, 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 no. Here, I will explain this. We were looking at a twelve, thirteen, you know, song album again which the agonist has always done. And we're living in these times right now where like people are just dropping singles or shorter albums. And I've seen it happen again and again, where it's like you put out a full length and you have over 10 songs. The songs that are towards the end of the album have like absolutely like no streams in comparison or no views or some people have never even heard them. So I told the band, I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we putting out so many songs that people aren't going to hear? Let's choose a few songs from Orphans and let's just not put them on Orphans. Let's save them for later because I know they're good and I want people to actually hear them. And um, one of those songs is actually one of our singles on this album so or EP. So it, it never would have been a single if it was on Orphans, right? Yes. So that was the reason we left them out. And um, and I redid them because I did my vocals for for orphans in 2018. And this is now 2021. This is a three year (laughs) difference vocally. So I wanted that to reflect on the recording as well. Was there much of a big difference from. from Oh, yes. That you hear or (laughs) that everyone would hear. I guess it only matters what you feel about your material. But do you think other people would notice as well? I think uh, everyone at this point is noticing like I did um, I did a one take performance of Invertigo. Um, it's on my YouTube channel and I did it actually like a month after recording VP. And uh, a few people that saw it said in the comments that it's like noticeably noticeably better than the album version. And this was a one take performance. So I, I would like to think that all the vocals that I did on the EP are even even better than that. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. Uh, Donaldson told me that he loves working with you. You come in unbelievably prepared. You know everything that you're going to do. You know all the harm. You, it's like you are perfectly prepped. So hats off <laughs> to you for that. Yeah. I think is really, really, really freaking awesome. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's awesome. I, I really, really think it's awesome. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's dance into a shitty question. Yes. Uh, a question that I don't know what the question is. Oh. Here's, here's the context of that. We, uh, last time I had you on, we recorded at St. Buck. And then I mentioned the last time we saw each other, I'm pretty sure it was when Ingested came through Montreal at Fofun Electric. Uh, yeah. 
the CBGBs in Montreal. Uh, yeah. We, <laughs> I got drunk. I, I think everyone <laughs> that course. night had a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, enjoying a bunch of craft beer. The Ingested Boys were partying. You were there. And you mentioned to me that I did not ask the right question. I did? Yeah. I must have been drunk then because <laughs> I don't remember that. So, of course, my question to you right now is what is the question that I should have asked that I didn't ask? <laughs> I, I don't even remember saying that to you. I, I need context. There was no, there was no context. Uh, That's the thing. We were talking. You were reflecting upon our inter- my interview with you. Yeah, and you said that I didn't ask you the right question, but I never got what the right question was from you. I don't know. I don't even know what I was thinking at that time. <laughs> the right question, because that seems very specific, right? Like if I had said the right questions, that hmm. would have been more of a general thing. But I said the right question, like singular, singular. Like what could I? What could drunk Vicky could have been thinking of right then? I, I don't know. I was just I was just curious. And as a, this question was a trap, it, 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 I always have a one sp- spicy, shitty question, and this was this one for today. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it's so cool because I'm like now actually like trying to think of what I could have possibly been thinking uh, <laughs> two and a half years drunk. ago. How can he remember? I I have a vivid memory yeah. of certain things for certain reasons it's just hmm. the way just just the way there that has I'm built. to have been some context though like there's got to be a reason i said that i don't no? know I, I don't i don't i don't remember so i <laughs> that part i don't remember i just remember ah. us sitting together but it's like you know what it's like at a bar people are loud yeah um, people get cut off too you know what i mean like we get yeah. like conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. don't get completed and i think yeah. it was one of those circumstances so i don't quite remember the context but i do remember you saying that and it's stuck, huh. it's stuck with me. So I'm so sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> like, I wish I could remember. Let's dance into Sixth Sense, uh, a rap metal project. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, I don't know. Teasing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm I'm like really serious about the why not. Like, I think there's this, <laughs> there's this like idea from specifically mostly i guess metal elitists just being like rap metal shit or whatever like it's not true metal i don't know limp biscuit has some bangers they do <laughs> like listen to the guitar work absolutely but, absolutely yeah but but um my point is that i think and i say this all the time and i think you will get this because you're you're an extreme vocalist and and you know this that a lot of like the flows that you do with your vocals are pretty rap based. Mm-hmm, that's true. So I find it so funny that there's like guys that listen to metal and like, you know, when I say metal, I mean like screaming bands and they say that like rap is shit. But then I'm like, just just remove the distortion off of all those bands you listen to. And those vocalists are essentially rapping so what is it that you don't like about rap? Because it's kind of the same thing, really, especially when we're going into like more groovy metal bands. You know, it, it really is just like a harsher rap that that metal bands are doing. So anyways, that's that's the one thing I say all the time that to anyone that has to like, want to talk shit about <laughs> rapping, I'm like, you listen to it all the time. It's just covered with distortion and you don't realize it. Um, and also the fact that I think a lot of like bands, like you mentioned Limp Bizkit, there's like Linkin Park, there's Korn, some elements of Slipknot, like all that whole like new metal thing that was happening like late 90s, early 2000s, that I think got a lot of us into metal. I mean, like I'm you, a new metal child. I, I, I'm not shy to say that at all. And yeah. I'm loving the resurgence of yeah. bands like Tala and uh tetrarch uh just killing it right now the super super hyper popular so so you're you're right yeah. on and you've been doing this for a while like i know you don't want me to talk about that but <laughs> <laughs> he has all the inside info <laughs> but um talk to me about how this came I, like, I don't want i don't like asking origin stories but yeah this one i find interesting so so what can you tell us about how Sixth Sense came together? Yeah, I mean, it was completely, I wasn't looking for it. It was um, this band from Montreal, used to be called Keychain. Um, they had just lost their vocalist. They were searching for a new vocalist. Here comes Robbie. 
um, he auditions for that band and they just really, really loved his vocals. They loved his rapping. They loved his screaming. They loved his lyrics. Um, and Bran, the guitar player, who you know. Vox and Hops alumni. Yep. Exactly. Um, who's also in a black metal band. Yes, Bane. Black metal. Serbian Bane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Black metal and new metal. Um, <laughs> That's why I was surprised yeah. when he was a part of it. Because yeah. he's just really yeah. extreme. <laughs> he is. But, but, but this is where what I say. Like, if you love music in mm-hmm. general you'll love all genres of music. Like there's no superior genre really. But um, anyways, so yeah, the, he loved everything that Robbie was doing. However, he wanted singing in this band as well because Bran has this, this great mind for music and he writes great choruses uh, musically that you can do so much vocally. That's just going to sound like this could be on the radio. And he was like, you know, I think it's a missed opportunity if we don't have singing in this band. And um he asked Robbie like how he felt about having another vocalist in the band. And they were essentially thinking like another male vocalist. So like, I guess Linkin Park (laughs) 2.0, but, um, I helped him out with a demo, like another song. So like the third song that he sent in, which was make believe our first single. And, uh, we wrote that song with two vocalists in mind and we sent it over to Bran and he loved it. And then, suddenly that was on the table like can we at can we ask vicky to join this band like does this make sense um and so robbie and i were talking about it and initially i was like i don't know this is really weird this is so different from everything that anyone even knows me for but then like that reason the reason i wouldn't do it became the reason that i wanted to do it because you don't want to be in another band that sounds like exactly like what your current band is in. Like that's no, stupid. No, <laughs> and a lot, and a lot do of people it. do that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, we probably have the same person in mind, but I'm not going to say that. Oh, I have a few people in mind, <laughs> but damn, who do you have in mind? <laughs> I'll tell you after when I'm not recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, no, I would never do that. Cause I think it's a waste of ideas and, and a waste of like, like your focus is split. You could be putting all that into one band when mm-hmm. it's similar sounding. Absolutely. Whereas this, this is an opportunity for me to do something that, you know, I can't do in The Agonist. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. But I love it and I listen to it all the time. So why not do this? And who cares what anyone has to say about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, the plans for this? Is it something that's going to tour? Is it? gonna get a record like a like a, a label behind it what 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 are your goals mm-hmm. with six cents because the yeah, is, like, is gonna be as soon as the world opens up again you're gonna mm-hmm. be busy they are gonna be busy but but here's another thing it's like i'm the only person in the agonist that's a full-time musician mm-hmm. so let's say the agonist finishes finishes a tour everyone goes back home they go back to whatever whatever other job they're doing they can't just like quit their jobs and go on the road for like a year long. I can do that. <laughs> so it's not an obstacle for me because there are going to be times when the Agnes is, is at home and I can go on a different tour. I can do something else. So I think that solves that issue. And I think as long as there's open communication and honesty about it, then it's cool. Like, like our first um, music video with Six Sense was filmed by Chris Kells, yes, who is was. in the Agonist. Yeah, he's the best. And the second one, he is the best. And the second one that we're gonna release in a few months is also filmed by him. So, so obviously we're good. <laughs> um, is this the beginning of something that's gonna happen though? And and I'm just, I think I'm, so. I'm thinking more like, about: Are we gonna have yeah. a real Vicky Serakis solo project mm-hmm. one day? Maybe. I don't know. I like I'm not there yet for that because I'm so ridiculously busy with everything else. Like I can't I can't add another thing. Mm -hmm. But um, obviously to to close like the six cents chapter, I'm I'm very serious about it. I'm at that point in my life where I don't do things that I'm not serious about because I don't have the time for it. And because we are funding this ourselves, like you mentioned, there's no label or anything like that. I'm not going to spend money that I earned on something that I'm not serious about. Um, So we're all very serious about it. And I think there's huge potential with it. 
and it's been a long time coming. We're taking it slow. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we have more songs recorded, many more songs recorded, but we're not putting them out <laughs> because attention span. Like if I put it out right now, this community here that's here today, my patrons and Twitch and all that would listen to it, of course. But how many people would truly listen to it? So like we're going step by step, we're taking it slow, we're releasing singles, potentially an EP, and we'll see. Like we're not we're not gonna put all that music out all at once. Um so but but we're very serious about it and the next single will probably drop maybe end of the year, maybe beginning of next year. Probably soon after like the whole like agonist stuff starts dying out a little bit. It's like, boom, I'm going to put something else out with six cents. Smart. So I like that. But is <laughs> there a goal to do this independently to retain? Like, um, is it one of those? Cause there are a lot of bands that are now. doing this. I yeah. just uh, had a chat with uh, Carcosa, uh, mm -hmm. you know, shadow of intent are killing it. Yeah. Being yeah. independent. Is this basically something that you're inspired by or do you want a label? It's not that we don't want a label, but we do want the right label um, and the right deal because it's not just about the right label, like the right, like labels don't offer all their bands the same deal. That you is know? correct. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to read the fine print in the deal that you get. And uh, not just that, it's this, this band is a little bit more rock oriented. It's like, it's not like extreme metal like the agonist is. And my contacts and, and the label that I'm currently with, Napalm, and my world in general is more metal. It's, it's the metal world. So I'm kind of trying to wait and see what we can do with Sixth Sense in more of a rock world. And if we find a label that happens to have like similar sounding bands or bands that we can see ourselves touring with and they give us like a contract that makes sense, that doesn't like completely steal all our rights and offer us nothing in return we will take it um and as i've said to, to to many people before i have i'm not stingy i have no problem giving anyone anything i'm like i like if you give me the right people and it's like here's 50 percent of my salary but you guys are doing all the work that i don't want to do and you're doing it right <laughs> i will happily give away half of my money here you go <laughs> take care of all this bullshit that I don't care for, but do it right, then I'll give the money away. But it's really hard to find that. Absolutely. So, so <laughs> I, I'm excited for this. I've heard the tracks that they're, they're good. They're catchy as hell. So, so just, just keep being patient and playing smart. Cause that's what you do. And I love that about you. Mm -hmm. um, if you could Thank make you. back into the world of beer, if you could make yes. another collab, a, a Vicky beer, <laughs> what beer would it be? What style? And what, what, what would you call it? Oh, man, I don't know what I would call it, but um, I would definitely do a stout. I know you love Because, that. yes, well, I'm drinking one right now. I'm already feeling that 13%. Um, I wouldn't do a 13% stout. I'd do something <laughs> like 9%, maybe 8 9%. You know, let's, let's not go crazy. Um, preferably very chocolatey or coffee. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's what I love. I'm a huge coffee addict, so for the taste, not for the caffeine. So same okay. thing with beer. Um, yeah, yeah, a nice a nice uh, thick stout. <laughs> um, what would I call? I don't know. I haven't given that too much thought. What would you call it? I'm thinking. I'm thinking about <laughs> uh, Vicky's Stout Rackus, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just, That's a new nick nickname. Stout Rackus, I think. <laughs> oh, Vicky my God. The Stout Rackus. That's, that's just me. <laughs> uh, I typically ask this question, and I had Johnny from Carcosa on, and he's just as busy as you <laughs> on socials yeah. and everything. He's killing it. Uh, you're killing it. So this question makes no sense because I know what you've been doing, but I'm always curious because it's different, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm very lucky I have the podcast. I Right before I sit down, I do these interviews. I have that same feeling that I would get before stepping onto stage, that that little goosebumps, uh, the, the pit in my stomach, uh, going to the bathroom one too many times before <laughs> it starts. It's exactly like playing a show. So, so I... Yeah. I ask this question frequently. I call it, how have you been filling the void of performing? But you do this all the time. I do. I do. Um, 
But is there is there anything that that does it really live up to an on stage experience? It's different. It's different for sure. I think this is way easier to do because um, you said it actually like I don't know exactly what the words you chose, but before you started recording when we first uh, hooked up. Here you said something that you're like, I'm in your territory or I'm in your space. I was in your house. What did you I was say? in your house. In my house. Yeah. Exactly. So so that's the thing when you're streaming from your house, from your home, it, it feels a little bit more comfortable because you can't actually visually see the people there that are watching you. They're mm-hmm. they're behind the screen. So yeah, you don't you don't know. So you don't as a person that's like shy or maybe introverted or has stage fright or anything like that you get less of that because it doesn't exactly click. You don't see their faces. Like how many times has, I don't know if this has happened to you because you guys play like a different kind of metal where that's like more intense, but like, has it happened to you, for example, that you're playing a show and there's this one person in the crowd that's like looking at you and they look like they're bored out of their oh, mind. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Definitely, definitely. They might have just no, had no, no. a bad day though, you know? <laughs> yes, but then I'm saying like that that same person comes up to you later on and says that was a killer gig. Exactly. And you're like, really? really? You liked it? You have like, resting bitch face, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so I don't get to see that. I don't see that that face from anyone. So it's easier to do. Um, and I'm just hap- like, I, I'm thinking in my head that everyone's having a blast behind mm-hmm. their screens and, and that's it. <laughs> Um, so for shows, it's, it's a little bit, it can be hard to ignore that. Like, like if I think of like the best shows that I've had in my life, they're not based on my performance. They're based on the crowd's performance. That's, that's true. (laughs) That's true. That's that back and forth between the crowd and the band that, that makes a show special. That's true. Uh, one last question, uh, probably doesn't happen to you very, very often because, uh, you know, you're really, really fucking busy, but, uh, You know, if you drink too many 13.2% stouts, uh, every once in a while it happens to everyone. So I'm curious, what is your hangover cure? I don't really get a hangover anymore. Um, not not with beers. Maybe if I go on tour again and I start mixing different mm-hmm. alcohols in one night. But uh, I think the fact that I'm a singer mm-hmm. or a vocalist helps me in not getting that because I drink so much water. Like I'm the type of person that between a beer, I will, while I'm drinking a beer, I'll be drinking water. So I wake up the next day and I'm, I'm okay. Usually. Cause I think, uh, don't they say that like you need to drink double the amount of water of what alcohol you've had? Yeah, or? Hydration, hydration, hydration yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and I don't drink water for, for the alcohol. I just drink it. Cause like when you use your voice so much in a day, so it's like I'm using my voice when I'm talking and I'm talking a lot on stream and this and that. And then I'm doing vocals, too. So it's like I'm constantly using my voice. So I constantly have to drink water. So, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm a bit blessed in that. Um, whereas I've literally seen people plow back beers and not have like one drip of water, like one sip, nothing. And it's like those are the people that wake up the next day and they look like they've been hit by a train. <laughs> <laughs> you you must have to pee a lot so so i i pee that's a lot the, that's that, the bad thing that, about that, tour that. <laughs> <laughs> Just, if, if, being a female that's one thing for a female that's yeah. really difficult on tour because we can we can we have our it bottles sucks. we have our bottles that we get to stow yeah. away in in the van somewhere but <laughs> yeah i don't have that i was gonna say the number of times that i've heard like kel say in the, in the van like we gotta stop vicky has to pee you know <laughs> too much <laughs> i love him i love him vicky thank you so so much taking the time hanging out with me um talking about life metal and craft beer again everyone listen to that brand new agonist ep days before the world wept came out via napalm records killer killer ep uh we're gonna keep hanging out here on twitch so you if you're listening to the podcast version of this you missed out you should have been here because uh, there's <laughs> way more content coming that you're not going to be a part of. Vicky, thank you That's so much. True. Cheers. Thank you. Always a pleasure. 
you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. This was an absolute blast. Man, did we ever have fun. We continued hanging out for another few hours before my family came back and I had to finally jump off of it. We were raided by Samus. It was it was just super sick, super fun, very cool to hang out with Vicky and her amazing community that she's built on Twitch. I'm all about it. Always a pleasure to hang out with Vicky. Very, very excited to perform alongside her at Brutal Montreal coming up on December 17th here in Montreal. Just want to say a huge thank you to Vicky for opening up her home and allowing me to conduct this interview on her Twitch channel. It was truly, truly a blast. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should absolutely sign up to the Vox and Hops Middle Podcast, the mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I dropped throughout that past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, all the pertinent information for any cool projects I have in the works, as well as the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, and is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. Now, there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, I would hate for you to miss a single thing, because I know you're going to love it, so please, please sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming up this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.